Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook. Listeners, Kevin, today we are talking about the principle of social proof. What the hell is it? Why does it work so well? Kevin and I are going to give you some practical tips around how you can really take yours to the next level in your B2B marketing to win the trust of your dream customers and get them to buy from you. This is part of our little mini series on mind tricks in marketing, Kevin. A little bit of a clickbaity title there. Of course, we're not trying to trick people. We want to do the right thing by people. But hey, there's some human behaviors out there that we can try and leverage. And if we can, we will. Kev, what is going on at the moment in the B2B Playbook podcast? Well, George, as you said, we're not trying to trick people and as always trying to be helpful. And that is very much within our 5Bs framework for B2B marketing. Going into the 5Bs, you have be ready, be helpful, be seen, be better and be the best. Right now, we're in that fifth B, be the best. Up until now, we've been talking about how to set up the foundations of your B2B marketing framework, of your B2B marketing system. We spend the first four seasons talking about how to Deeply understand your dream customers, create content that really helps build a relationship of trust with them, and then to amplify that content and also to optimize your B2B marketing workflow. And in this season, be the best with exploring all things that will make you and your marketing stay evergreen and continue to be leaders in your industry. And that's why we're talking about these neuroscience learnings and principles that we've taken from books and materials that we've come across, that we've gone through, that we think have key principles that will really help take your marketing to the next level to continue to keep you at the forefront of your industry. 
That's it, Kevin. Listeners, as always, I think it's important to say and to remind everyone that this podcast is all about how to generate demand generation, demand creation, demand capture. It's all about that. Kevin's sharing our 5Bs framework so you can know how to do it and implement it in your business yourself step by step. And as you said, Kev, today we're discussing yet another principle from Robert Caldini's book, Influence, which Really, the book is about how marketers can use behavioral psychology to get the outcomes that they want from humans. We're doing a little mini-series, as we said, so make sure that you catch our last two episodes on this topic. Okay, this week, we said that today we're going to be discussing the principle of social proof. Now, what is that? Look, humans have an innate need or desire to fit in from the dawn of our existence, Kev, being part of a group and Understanding the cues of those around us have been so vital to our survival. Now, social proof is a principle that really hinges on our deeply embedded instinct to gauge how appropriate our actions are based on what others around us are doing. It's the feeling that we got when we're deciding between two cafes on a foreign street, wondering which one we should go into or when we're scouring reviews before purchasing a new gadget or some new B2B software. But Kev, this isn't just about the crowd mentality. It's about really looking at a situation and trying to decode it with the most available data that we have in front of us, which is other people's actions. And George, I'll tell you what, those reviews on Google are real helpful, particularly for currently working remote traveler like myself. We always jump on and make sure that when we get to a new place, we've researched the best dining options, the best attractions to go to. One of the funny, quirky things that's come out of that is that most of these reviews are fairly accurate. If you look at general numbers, if it's got a good number of reviews, they're pretty accurate on roughly how good a place is. But then you hit the UK and maybe the Brits are just a bit too polite, but everything seems to be above 4, 4.5. Doesn't give you as much helpful information when everything seems to be a great place. But just a funny quirk, and as George said, definitely an illustration of that social proof concept being in place. Everyone looks at reviews, everyone looks for cues from other people to see how people are reacting to things. It's why we have so much social proof on our own website with the incubator, with the playbook. Not just because we love seeing and hearing all the great feedback we're getting. It's certainly very rewarding to see that. But I think it has a lot of power to have that social proof for us at least to come from our great dream customers, our great people that we've come to know through the B2B incubator and through playbook listeners, people who have really gotten value from the show. We hope to showcase that through those social proof reviews. And Kev, nothing draws a line like a line, right? Whenever you walk by somewhere, imagine you're approaching two restaurants. This just happened to me recently when I was visiting my motherland, Greece. I was in Santorini two cafes, right? We both have this incredible dramatic view. One of them has a line out the front of it. The other one doesn't. Now, the pricing is really similar. Honestly, Kevin, the food at the both of them was probably going to be really similar. They tend to be quite similar. They have access to largely the same butchers and quality of ingredients and the chefs aren't overly different. But look, one of them had a really long line and the other, you could just jump in and sit down straight away. We were there for a limited amount of time. We didn't want to risk that we were going to one that might've been lesser than the other. So what did we do? Like stupid idiots, Kevin, we waited in line and we waited half an hour for a table. 
and had a, an average meal at best. <laughs> <laughs> so it happens. And I'm sure, listeners, if you go back and think to yourself, the last time you were trying to choose a restaurant or whatever it might be, whenever you're making a purchasing decision, you too have gone to rely on the actions of others to judge which one is right for you. We're not telling you to try and market a half-baked solution or not as good a solution. Definitely work on your product. Definitely have the best service available for your dream customers. Tailor it to what they need and what they want. But also understand that if you're showing social proof, if you're showing a line out the door, it's more likely that you get that initial attention you need to convince people of the value of your product or service and to get them on board a lot easier so that you're able to pass on that value. Kev, I love in this episode and the last couple to introduce the experiments and just the situations that Caldini tells us about in his book Influence to really drive the point home that, hey, this stuff isn't just hocus pocus, it actually works, it's based on experiments. And one of the first ones that I'd like to bring up from the book is the silent spectators of New York observation, which it really shows that especially in urban environments like a city with their anonymous crowds we're all anonymous people trying to coexist together and we're sitting on top of each other they're a great place to observe these experiments and in the book he refers to quite a distressing incident in new york where there was an injured man who clearly needed assistance but just dozens and dozens of people completely ignored the man as they were walking by him and each passerby person just had a total indifference and that strengthened the next person's indifference to act as well and look i don't think kevin the conclusion from this wasn't like hey how horrible are humans we're not really there to help each other it's more the human tendency to look for behavioral cues in others especially when unsure i think if one person had stopped to help then that would have multiplied more and more people would have but as soon as one person starts walking past and then the next and then the next and then the next, we all just think everything must be okay, despite the very evidence in front of our own eyes that things clearly are not okay. All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. Yeah, that will be an interesting follow-up experiment for someone to do. I'm sure someone has done to see if that, in fact, is the case, and hopefully it is. Another great example from the book is the laughter on demand with sitcoms example. So more evidence of this principle at work in practice is all that fake laughter or at least pre-recorded laughter they hear on sitcoms. And if you've been to a recording studio, you see that often 
people are prompted in the audience to laugh at certain things. There might be a laughter soundtrack that's played as well to encourage that natural laughter as well to make it seem more natural. So even if jokes are average, a bit subpar, that subsequent recorded laughter often makes us laugh along or at least smile when we're watching those sitcoms in our own space as well. And by presenting that illusion that many people find that joke hilarious, many people find that joke entertaining, it, it's really the show producers tapping into our subconscious need to align our reactions with the perceived majority and to follow along with that social proof principle. God, and it works, doesn't it, Kevin? If you're not laughing along with it, you at least get half a smile. And it's the kind of joke, especially the later seasons of something like The Big Bang Theory, that, you know, really just shouldn't have been made at all because they just weren't funny. <laughs> They're just really not even jokes at all. But you put that laughter soundtrack behind it, and I don't know, Kev, you just half smile to yourself. Very interesting example of it working. Maybe we need to put some laughter soundtrack onto our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good idea, Kev. Particularly some of the earlier episodes where I would start off by sharing a little bit that I had prepared, which, you know, would usually land pretty flat. At least I could provide some laughter <laughs> soundtrack to cue you so you knew when to laugh. That's it. Tough audience, tough audience. <laughs> Kev, another cool experiment that Caldini goes through is really, I guess, what is called the bartender strategy, where in bars and cafes, competition is obviously really stiff, but a pretty smart hack that bartenders and staff do whenever they have their tip jar, they always place a few bills or coins in their tip jars at the start of their shifts. And the reason that they do that is that's an indication that tipping is the norm. And so when you go to check out and you see that jar on the table and you that there's coins or notes in the bottom, then patrons go and leave more generous tips. So, you know, the jar is there telling you, hey, look, others are tipping. Here's evidence for it. You should too. Boy, it's clever, but I tell you what, that tipping culture is not one that we certainly enjoy here in Australia and probably not that healthy for some other reasons. But hopefully that is just another great illustrator for our listeners across the big pond that that is what those jars are there to do and hopefully that's another great example for us to illustrate the social proof principle another one is childhood fads and frenzies so kids with their sort of unbiased and unabashed transparency perfect subjects to study this principle of social proof so caldinia actually delves into the world of trending toys and crazes that seem to grip the schoolyards back in the day. From collectible toys to digital gaming obsessions, when kids generally see their peers gravitate towards something, they will feel that compelling need to join the bandwagon and they will start screaming their heads off for the same things and requesting the same things at Christmas, at the checkout, at supermarkets and what have you. Uh, maybe these days it's a little different with a lot of things digital, but they'll still be screaming for the latest fads. And I remember as kids, we'd all be playing with things like fidget spinners or Pokemon cards or Yu-Gi-Oh cards or Tamagotchis, what have you. Plenty of trends that all of us of a certain age and generation know. And pretty much the same thing applies for every generation that comes through. There's always these fads that really just come through with the examination of kids and what they gravitate towards. And just another great example of that social proof concept is 101 different choices of fads and toys that kids could go for, but everyone seems to gravitate towards a handful that really sticks with us. Yeah, Kev, I was never really allowed to buy them. 
And I don't remember throwing a huge tantrum wanting them. But uh, yeah, fidget spinners, Pokemon cards. I really didn't have any of that. I definitely had a Tamagotchi, but for the life of me, I couldn't keep it alive. I don't know why. I just, I couldn't keep it alive. So even that faded too. And look, who knows, Kev, maybe that's the reason I have no friends to this day. Bit harsh, George. I don't think that's the case. You're certainly the more social one out of us, even without the toys and the trends that came through. But at least you knew about them. And I'm sure at some point as a kid, we all had that yearning to to have a play, to know what's going on. Maybe you just had too many friends that had them and you saw how pointless it was ahead of your time, George. No, just pretending to have friends. I figured if I surround myself by fake friends, I might draw a real one, Kevin. Social proof at its (laughs) finest. Okay, marketers, let's talk about how you can use this in your B2B marketing. The most obvious one is testimonials, right? So the power of customer testimonials, we can't stress it enough. Reviews act as guiding stars for potential buyers. It's why companies like G2 and Trustpilot exist in the B2B world. It's really as well why having a brand that exists in the dark social world that people are talking positively about you behind your back is so important too. When we get positive reviews and when you highlight those positive reviews, you're not just showcasing feedback, but you're leveraging social proof. It sends a very clear message of, hey, look, many people have bought this in your exact situation. They tried it, they loved it, and they got this result, and you will too. Now, when we do this for ourselves and when we speak with companies about how they can do this best, we try and make it as relevant to the segment that you're trying to market to specifically. So what we're doing for the B2B Incubator is we don't just just show testimonials from a whole group of people. We show you that these testimonials are from B2B marketing managers in a marketing team of either one, two, or three marketers. We tell you exactly you know how many there are. We say how big the company size is. We tell you what business model that company has and the industry. So you can go through and you can go, hey, that person is in the exact situation, is same situation as me. They had this problem. It's now resolved. I can identify with that. And that's a really powerful way to use social proof. Beyond that, as we stretch these testimonials larger and larger, then you get into the territory of case studies. In that B2B arena, again, case studies are so much more than just mere success stories. Look how great these customers have had it. Look how great that case was. They really should be looked at as strategic tools by highlighting how that specific product or service has resolved a challenge that's common, that's shared or amplified growth within a business. That's something that's desired by a lot of people in very similar circumstances. They serve as those relatable narratives to communicate with potential customers. Not only are you talking about you know, the brand and you're communicating the brand story, but then you're talking about look, here's the social proof, here's the nurture aspect of building that relationship of trust, here's some more proof points of how that journey could look like in detail exactly for your scenario or a similar scenario to yours that could be very applicable to you. It's basically saying, look at the success story, yours could be next, and here's all the indicators that you in fact fit exactly into that same storyline. Again, make these as specific as possible to the segment or segments that you're targeting, that's when these will really come into their own and have that desired impact that you hope from case studies. 
User-generated content, Kev, is a really good way that B2B marketers can try and leverage social proof too. UGC, for those who don't know, it's where you really use customers as contributors. If a customer tweets about you or posts about you or offers a video record review or just a really genuine perspective, particularly if it's unscripted, it can be so relatable and powerful. It's something that the B2C world has been doing for ages and it's been completely nailing it. And if you've ever scrolled through Instagram or Facebook, one of Meta's products, you'll just get hammered by user-generated content. People showing how good a product was, how much benefit that they got from it, why you should get it too. And I guess it just seems more trustworthy, Kevin, because we're receiving it from someone that clearly hasn't been given a script that really looks like me or like the person who's viewing it and has got a very clear benefit from it. I guess just anecdotally, some of the most powerful reviews when I'm considering a product often come from people when they comment or you leave a review in like a Facebook group. And so often just screenshotting a review in the platform itself. And if you just then putting that on your website, just because it looks like it's from Facebook and is Facebook, all of a sudden it makes it feel more authentic and I'm more likely to trust that review, that it hasn't been curated, that it hasn't been requested. And another one that's very much related to UGC content or an avenue that people try and tap into UGC content through is influencers. So micro-influencers and bigger influencers alike. It's another one that's really come from the B2C world that we think marketers in the B2B world can certainly apply to leverage this concept of social proofing. And if you look at influencers, they're really the modern day trendsetters. They're the ones that set the trends of what's cool and what's great coming up next in a world where there's an information overload. That's why influencers are becoming more and more important because they act as curators where we can't do that heavy lifting ourselves to sift through everything and to figure out what's good, what's not. Influencers work to do some of that for us. And if we trust them, if your dream customers trust certain influencers, then they'll become their curators. They sift through all that noise and present to their audience very select content. And their endorsement, as Caldini suggests, is a real stamp of trust and it helps pass that trust onto your brand if they're in fact promoting your product or service and therefore really helps you to build your own relationship of trust directly with their audience as well. So collaborations with influencers aren't just about really expanding that reach to their audience, but strategically aligning your brand with a trusted voice in the market space with your dream customers already. And these sort of collaborations and partnerships are really a great form of social proof to build more trust. For all those reasons, it's really what we try and do to start to get into that space as we have some other really smart people on the B2B Playbook podcast and hopefully vice versa, we can pass on the trust of our audience to their brand as well. Kev, I think the last one that I want to add, the last practical way that you can really use social proof in your B2B marketing, and look, there's tons out there, but we've just given you a few different ways, is playing the numbers game. If your company's product or service has great usage stats, or you can just really reduce one of the key benefits or key points of social proof into numbers, then that can be incredibly compelling. Used by over a million users or 90% customer satisfaction rate, whatever it might be. They're not just numbers, but they're testimonials in themselves because you can show that, hey, people, so many people just like you are doing things like this using our product. 
They show that you're reliable. They show that there's quality there. And that makes people want to come on board as well. People love hard numbers. They're memorable. So try and turn your social proof into hard numbers. And Kev, that's something that we should absolutely look at for the B2B incubator. We have obviously written qualitatively tons of positive feedback, tons of testimonials. We can probably just start distilling that and see how can we turn that into hard numbers because people remember hard numbers. Yep, everyone likes some hard numbers, George. We are very much numbers-based people, particularly us from the performance marketing space. All right, listeners, key takeaways for today. Humans naturally seek validation, often basing choices on what they do based on what others do. And that is especially the case in unfamiliar situations. And that's what the social proofing concept and principle is all about. Whether that's passive New Yorkers or sitcom laughs, real world examples showcase that magnetic pull of social proof in action. And we as marketers can harness that same social proof concept with strategies like reviews, case studies, influencer partnerships, making it a powerful tool in our digital age with information overload. Beautiful. Thank you, Kevin. Okay, listeners, you can find links to everything that we discussed in the show notes. And Kevin and I are so grateful that every week more and more marketers tune in every Monday to the B2B Playbook. If we could ask one thing, it would be to please pass the show on to someone who you think would get value from it. Also, check us out on YouTube. Like, subscribe, do all those things. It's a huge help to us and we'd really appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, listeners. Take care and catch you next week. Thank you, George. Thank you, listeners. Catch you all next week. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.